Los Angeles is a mega city in a state of perpetual change, where long-standing neighborhoods are rebranded with new names, and history can be obscured with a new building or freeway. Hello, I'm radio producer Ruxandra Guiri. And I'm Bear Guerra, a photographer. And this is South of Fletcher, stories from the Bowtie. We live here in L.A., we're married, and we've been creating audio and photo documentaries together for 13 years. We've partnered with the arts organization Clock Shop to tell a story of urban development, to try to make sense of life in this fast-paced and forever-changing city. This is a story about a quiet sliver of L.A. not many people know about, the Bowtie Parcel, a narrow, 18-acre plot of land next to the Los Angeles River, an empty lot that's full of history and possibility. Head over to clockshop.org to find out more about this project in our previous five episodes. Here's our last one, Possibilities. After the rail infrastructure of the old Taylor Yard was demolished and before the bowtie was bought by California State Parks, this 18-acre plot was headed towards a different destiny. It was the late 90s when a local real estate development firm set its eyes on the parcel to home its new L.A. Media Tech Center at Taylor Yard. The railroad was decommissioning these rail yards, breaking these large maintenance yards into smaller parcels and then selling them off. And you can see just over to the left here that there's this whole row of big box development. That's Sean Woods standing in the middle of the bow tie and pointing to the big box buildings just outside of the parcel. Sean is Los Angeles superintendent for California State Parks, which owns the bow tie now. So that's what the community saw and became very alarmed about. So alarmed that they started protesting the planned LA Media Tech Center. They posted yard signs that read, warehouses? We don't need no stinking warehouses. And give our kids a place to play. And it was in around 99 that this coalition called a coalition for a state park at Taylor Yard, and it represented, I think, over 32 community organizations. And they went uh, full bore against the developer and were threatening litigation, and they were successful in stopping development on a majority of the site. The bow tie was acquired in 2003, and it laid fallow for over 10 years. They erected fences all around the perimeter. Native plants and shrubs grew inside through the cracks in the asphalt. But this was now public land, and that was no small feat for a city like L.A., which is so park poor. There was also state parks grappling what, 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 what does state parks look like in the 21st century? I mean, that was a big deal. I mean, we were, we, we were looking at the fact that we had all these incredible pieces of property, 280 parks uh, statewide, you know, the Sierras, the Redwoods, Anza Borrego. But by and large, people coming to those parks didn't represent the complexity of the state. In other words, California is a culturally and racially diverse state, but its parks aren't within reach to many people in its cities. And this is especially true for working-class Black, Latino, and immigrant families in L.A. Park equity became a priority for the state in the late 90s, when California began to invest in finding more land for green spaces in urban areas. In the past decade, California State Parks has shepherded a couple of parks near downtown, both of them in former rail yards. And if all goes according to plan, the bow tie will be next in line in another five or seven years. Stephen Mejia is an environmental activist who grew up in a park-poor area of L.A. He thinks these efforts are long overdue. Having lived that experience of 
what environmental poverty feels like and how that's absolutely attached to the quality of the food I eat, the air I breathe, the water I drink. I think it's unconscionable to accept that community should have to wait until we figure out a perfect solution before we try to do something. Stephen is an advocacy manager with the nonprofit Friends of the LA River, which advocates for river conservation projects. Because those problems are not going to be solved perfectly ever without their inclusion. And the only way to get to those answers, perfect answers, is if the community is invested in right now. Stephen says a more equitable LA is possible in the future, but it requires residents of all backgrounds to demand and work towards what they need whether that be more parks or more affordable housing or a clean river. We shouldn't tell ourselves that we can't have nice things because someone will take it from us. Last year, Stephen invited us to a meeting at his office, a 10-minute drive from the Bowtie. There were seven of us there, seated around the conference table. I'm pass these around and just ask that we share. We only have one kind of presentation package. These On are one side, the local nonprofits, Friends of the LA River, and also a Clock Shop, the arts organization that commissioned us for this podcast. And on the other, a lawyer, an architect, and a couple of PR people representing a New York City-based developer. They agreed to be recorded, but not to be interviewed. So Bear and I sat it's back and listened. The developers pitched their proposed project, the so-called Bowtie Yard Lofts, a five-story, 419-unit housing and commercial complex planned for a lot right next to the Bowtie. The land had already been purchased, and word was spreading about the project. Stephen and the other park and river advocates in the room weren't happy about it. Afterwards, we sat down with Stephen, and this is what he had to say. It's fantastic to build amenities next to a proposed future park, but just because it's feasible doesn't mean that it's the right option, and that's not the right place to be doing that. Stephen says it's not the right place because the area next to the L.A. River is prone to flooding and shouldn't be overbuilt. Also, new housing would mean more people and cars in the area, which would impact nearby residents and could affect the river ecosystem. And with only a relatively few affordable units, the new development would likely contribute to already high rental prices and to the displacement of old tenants in nearby neighborhoods, including the pocket next door. We absolutely need more housing. We need more affordable housing. But putting people next to a freeway, next to a floodplain, where we're trying to make the risk less, um, is, is not the right place. It may not be the right place to build. And now the community is awaiting the draft environmental impact report, which will be followed by a public comment period. Everyone is expecting there will be a fight over it. The bow tie is many things at once. It lies directly in the floodplain of the L.A. River. It's one of the few remaining urban habitats for plants and animals, like coyotes, rabbits, and the side-blotched lizard. It's filled with train yard ghosts and decorated by graffiti. It's a refuge for many of us, Bear and I included now, housed and homeless alike, 
who seek an escape from the stress and congestion of the city. Harmonizing all these uses on a single 18-acre plot will be a huge design challenge. This thrills Kat Superfisky. She's an ecologist and landscape designer and part of the team that will help re-envision the Bowtie lot in years to come. We need to start rethinking how we're, how we're seeing an amenity for a park space too, where it's not just a water fountain, it's not just a restroom, it's not just a trash can, it's what else are we missing in this fabric of, of you know, the urban ecosystem and how can we start weaving that in, you know, in innovative ways into kind of these public spaces that people will have equal access to. For me, it's like, you know, something as easy as washing your clothes, something that's taken, taken for granted by so many other people. It's like, how can we start to maybe develop a public space that is, you know, is, is using gray water irrigation coming off of an indoor-outdoor laundromat that is being able to provide an amenity for a community that's very needed, but it's in this beautiful outdoor public space. It's like... Now you're taking it to a whole other level. I really like that <laughs> idea because that's useful. A utilitarian use of public space that meets the needs of people in innovative ways? Why not? Kat's idea for a hybrid laundromat slash urban park is just one of the myriad possibilities for the bowtie, all of which will depend on community input and collaboration with California state parks. Kat says we need to cater to the smorgasbord of people in L.A. That's what I love about L.A. is it's like this come one, come all kind of a place that everyone ends up in L.A. You get a little bit of, you know, every type of person. Um, And we do a great job of living amongst one another. But I really do think that our public spaces need to reflect that. (laughs) This used to be a rail yard. As Kat, Bear and I make our way out of the bow tie, we run into three young guys from Oregon who've ended up here by chance as they were driving around L.A. And they want to know, what is this place? Is, it op- is this ever open? Yeah. We're just Bowtie Evangelists and LA yeah. River Evangelists. Bowtie Evangelists. That sounds about right. We say goodbye to the Oregon guys, and they head into the Bowtie, that rare, open space in LA they'll have all to themselves. Thank you for listening to South of Fletcher, Stories from the Bowtie. You may go back to all of our past episodes over at clockshop.org. This series was produced by Clockshop and Phonografia Collective. Our editor was Ibi Caputo. Music was from Luis Guerra. Funding comes from California Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, and the Wilhelm Family Foundation. For more information and to see Bear's photos, visit clockshop.org. I'm Ruxandra Guidi with Phonografia Collective. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>